Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today, David Morrison and I continue our 2022 uh, mini-series, side series, if you will, Pathways to Presence, and we explore specifically prayer. Uh, We map out our evolution in and around prayer, uh, what's worked for us at different seasons and sort of what that uh, evolved to and uh, what our prayer life looks like today. But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background right now. Uh, If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, check out theruined.com. And if you want to hear more episodes, drcrpod.com is a place to go. If you enjoy what you're hearing, uh, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you. And let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Ticking off, counting down, Richard Foster Celebration of Discipline series. (laughs) Ish. How are you doing, Mr. David Morrison? All right. Like I said, my hair is a little staticky today. Maybe it's a UFO. It's a UFO. Passing over us. We're, it's too sunny. Always sunny in Chaparral. Uh, yeah, we've already started, tried to do this intro three times, so we're just going to roll with this one. You're at the tail end of the Rocky Mountains in the high desert of the Chihuahua Desert. Nice. There you go. We should do that every <laughs> show. Uh, so, yeah. So, last month we introduced a sub-series, a side series, a baby series, a mini-series. A meta-series. Ooh, yes, sir. Uh, A (laughs) series-ish. Yeah, it's probably a better. (laughs) That's probably the most accurate one. (laughs) Uh, We're calling it Pathways to Presence. Uh, We sort of use Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, as, uh, as our... Um, reference point, maybe? Yeah, yeah, kind of an outline. Yeah. But uh, but what we end up talking about is our experience with the, the thing. So our, our pathway to presence we're going to tackle today or, or discuss is prayer. Um, it seems, from just looking at the other ones, it, it seems like this one's maybe the most common in our society, like just knowledge around prayer. Yeah, I think prayer is universal to every religion and contemplative practice. Yeah, so um, so anyways, uh, we kind of discussed uh, an outline that might make sense. And so we're, we're going to just basically walk a, a somewhat chronological path of um, our, our experience with prayer, our evolution in and around prayer. Um, so I guess that's, that's where we're... I'll kick it over to you, David. But what? When do you first remember, sort of engaging with prayer, or, or um, you know, realizing prayer existed? I know, you know, I know we both grew up in the Catholic Church, so it was it was relatively young for me. But I don't know, yeah, what your experience around that was. Yeah, from a young age, they put me in the Jedi Temple and uh, <laughs> and shoved the Baltimore Catechism in my face. <laughs> Read this, boy, and Holy Trinity. Catholic uh, church with Father O'Mahony. Uh, but yeah, so mine was very probably traditional and conventional mm-hmm. uh, recited prayers or what some would call discursive prayer or repetitive prayer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where you recite. Um, you're basically reciting scriptures, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and the two, probably the Our Father and the Hail Mary. Yeah, those were the first two I remember. Yeah. When do you remember uh, being introduced to like this idea of the rosary? Which the main prayers with the rosary yeah, are those two? Probably the same time, you know, seven, eight years old, okay. maybe. Something we did. I, I remember having a rosary, so. Yeah. My dear mother must have given it to me. <laughs> I remember having one as Here, well. pray this. <laughs> but I, I did. It was weird. Well, for me, I couldn't pray it. I had, I don't know, and I don't have that trouble today, but for some reason, memorizing the Hail Mary 
was just like totally, I couldn't do it for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like the Our Father, and I, I don't know if the difference was we said the Our Father in church every oh, yeah, every yeah. service. So I like was around oh, other yeah, people saying once it. Once a week, yeah. But even that, right, as saying that out loud, that it doesn't make sense. So like the rosary was always intimidating. Well, as a child, it was very intimidating from because they also gave a little pamphlet, like a little trifold. Oh, yeah, yeah. To think holy thoughts while you, <laughs> the the, uh, the holy mysteries of the rosary. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, what about if I don't do that part? Because <laughs> yes. I get distracted by the Our Father. <laughs> um, okay, so, so yeah, so we, we both have a similar type prayer life there as far as the the beginnings. And, and I know it, it sort of shifted for you just be, from the conversations we've had on other episodes. Um, but yeah, so going from the Catholic church to the evangelical side. Yeah. What was the big shift in, in prayer specifically there? What's interesting. I, I have a memory of it. that just, I haven't thought about it in a long, long time. It was, uh, I was involved with a Methodist youth group mm -hmm. and the summer youth director, college, a college uh, young woman in college, you know, she was, oh, oh. she shoved a green bean up my nose because I was acting <laughs> up. She was, she had to put me in my place. Jackie, <laughs> shout out to Jackie, wherever Dude, you are in the some, world. Some kid, some kid in my elementary school got a bean stuck in his nose. <laughs> she Wait. grabbed the back of my head and, you know. She she shoved it up there. It might have been a lettuce too, or it's probably multiple occasions. And, well, she, <laughs> and she also invited us over her. It was probably her parents' house to watch a bachelor party with Tom Hanks. Wait to watch? I didn't. <laughs> the youth group to watch bachelor party. This was a great youth group. <laughs> I was I was I, I was thinking the bachelor like the reality TV show the bachelor. Oh no, no we're like, talking nineteen eighties. That, that didn't exist back yeah. then. But yeah, I'm yeah, an old old man here. So wait, was the was the youth group at the Holy Trinity? Where no, Nima's no, this now? was a Methodist youth. So I was I was uh, no, but I mean the where the Methodist Church Nima is a pastor of now. Oh no, no, this one was in Northeast El Paso, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, off of Hercules Street. Anyways, it's no okay. longer there. Oh, I see. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's a Goodwill Church now or something. Uh, not Goodwill. What's the other one? Salvation Army. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a Salvation Army church now. The last, I mean, I probably haven't driven by it in 10 years, so I don't know. But anyway, uh, so we were, you know, driving up to somewhere, probably to camp, summer camp or something like that. And I remember her talking. It wasn't to me directly. She was talking probably to another adult, one of the sponsors. And, and she was talking about this new thing called intercessory prayer. Mm. And and she described it from my memory of right, being right, 15 of years old. Something like um, you enter in at a very deep spiritual level into the heart of God and you feel the feelings of the person that you're praying for. You feel their suffering. And then, and then I remember saying, but your heart has to be very pure and very holy to be able to do this. She said that or you said that? In the, I heard her saying yeah, this yeah. in a conversation. The probably. dialogue. She might have been saying it to me. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. It's been so long. Um, but I do remember thinking, I, I desperately want to experience that. Mm. The problem is I definitely am not a pure person. My, <laughs> heart's, not, person. my heart's not pure. Uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> said bye-bye to you when you were probably three. <laughs> Your innocence. Yeah. Uh, and so there was, so there was that blockage of of you have to be, you know, what some sort of you have to attain some level mm -hmm. of holiness and piety, and uh, you know, and that oh, that'd be like the same as me trying out for the NBA. It's the same thing. What, <laughs> it's an impossibility. So, which is is funny because in the book Celebration of Discipline, he kind of touches on that in the sense of like oh, you yeah, don't yeah. you don't have to be the spiritual giant, right. and he put it he puts it in quotes. It's yeah. like start wherever you're at. But anyway, so. Yeah, and I agree. I think that's one of the, anybody who's trying to begin a life of prayer or deepen your current life of prayer, the, the blockade is usually we overcomplicate it mm -hmm. and overthink it. And, and the fact that we're in our head, mm -hmm. period, about it uh, is, is usually the first, uh, you know, blockages that we have to right. get past. So in any kind of spiritual practice like that. So I didn't mean to distract you, but you said, so you said that that felt like a blockage. Did, were you done with the story about 
Well, that was, I guess your original question was, that was my, uh, oh, okay. that was my invitation, if you will, to what, yeah. uh, charismatic, it's not really evangelicals. I don't think I was ever really an evangelical. Well, I meant charismatic. more of a charismatic. Yeah, I misspoke on that one, uh, for sure. Which they're, they're cousins. Mm. You know what I mean? They, uh, a lot of the same kinds of things. Uh, but yeah, so, so when I began attending a charismatic church that became Vineyard, mm-hmm later intercessory prayer was was something uh that was done all the time uh and so so yeah so so this idea that you could actually have a conversation with god uh i remember john wimber the first cassette tape series i ever listened to was this one you found on the road i think it was the one tape yeah <laughs> and then i and then i later you found the other one yeah <laughs> Now that I think about it, our pastor lived across the street from us. I bet you he was jogging. <laughs> that tape fell out. I bet you that's how I found it. <laughs> I should have returned it. I didn't even think about that. That's funny. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, apologies to Dale Walker out there. We love you, uh, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I can return. But anyway, the title was called Prayer, Intimate Communication with God. This is the John Wimber. Yeah, okay. this series of uh, sermons I guess he had given in. Anaheim, California, and and it had a profound influence on me, and and so that was my introduction to that. And and usually in in any at least back then, probably even more so now, usually it's just the the uh, the old ladies of the church who mm. intentionally gather in a meeting to sit for an hour or more and listen to God and pray prayers that you believe are coming from the Holy Spirit, influenced by the Holy Spirit, inspired. Uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. and this this might be kind of a weird question, but this idea of repetitive prayer from the scriptures right, right. and verse and not verses, but yeah, verses compare comparatively to this intercessory prayer. This idea of intercessory prayer did did one feel more natural or at home for you, or did it just was they were just different? I, yeah, they were very different, and usually if you're in a free free form style, freestyling uh-huh. it in prayer, uh, that group usually looks down upon mm-hmm. repetitive prayer, and they'll quote Jesus to Catholics and Orthodox people so by saying, uh, right. "You know, don't don't repeat, don't do repetitive prayers, but memorize your scriptures." <laughs> and it's like, okay, so you're like, but that's where the prayers came. Yeah, from. and so there did come a point that's not early on, but later, probably in my twenties, the experience of speaking in tongues privately. So what we would call a prayer language mm. coming from uh, Romans 8. Uh, we don't know how to pray the way that we should pray. Mm. So therefore, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, intercedes and prays through us with words and utterances that are too deep for words. Mm. Not words, groans, groans and utterances. Okay. Too deep for words. That's a, that's a charismatic thing. And that's where they break with evangelicals. I see. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, tongues is a, is a touchy issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but, but they come together on uh, sedition against the United States. You know, they come together <laughs> on that point, storming the Capitol. But anyway, that's another. Well, <laughs> half of them were doing it in tongues and the other one were just speaking <laughs> yeah, English. Exactly. So my, so what I realized in my twenties is that the experience of speaking in tongues in a prolonged kind of way, in a personal way, mm. is almost the same thing as praying a rosary. Interesting. You know, yeah, your mind goes into a uh, kind of a, a, a stilled place, uh, a tensile place, an, ex- an expectation is on your on your mind, awaiting. Uh, it's the same kind of thing, and there and you feel an expansion in your chest. You feel an expansion of your heart uh, while your mind is is at ease. Right. It's not blank. You don't blank your mind out, but it's right. not preoccupied anymore with the you're not obsessing about yeah the events at hand per what se. the buddhists would call the monkey mind where mm-hmm. your mind is just jumping from tree to tree and you know that kind of, there comes a point where well i mean we have this this cat that we just took in he's he's a kitten uh, about a year old but he's the size of a small dog and he acts like a dog he does it's and very, so it's he fetches and and so anyway he'll so his morning ritual is he'll jump all around the house. Mm. You, you get his, uh, you throw his ball and he fetches it for about 
20 minutes, and then he just collapses in the hallway and just chills. So that's what the mind does. It finally settles, it chills, and then there's an expansion of the heart that takes place. So speaking in tongues, in prayer, or reciting the rosary, in my experience, have, are very similar. Extreme, you know, they're, they're almost the same. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, do you still do both of those things? Do you still pray in tongues and recite the rosary or pray the rosary? No, I'll, I'll, I'll go into Hail Marys and Our Fathers at times. But yeah, yeah my go-to is this, uh, even in centering prayer, there's this vibratory motion that I could feel mm-hmm. physically in my tongue uh, all the time. And so that's more my default. Uh, when my mind is racing too much, uh, if I'm in a, an emotional state or whatever, you know, or my mind is just too active, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll recite scripture or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind. Right, 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 right. You know, or a Hail Mary, which is mm-hmm. scripture, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, those are my uh, two go-tos at this point in my life, probably the last couple of years. Well, it's three of them. It's a Hail Mary and the uh, Our Father. And then the third one is... Um, the Jesus prayer from the Orthodox yeah, tradition. Yeah, that one as well. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, I do that one when the when the shit has really hit the fan. I do that yeah. one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> have mercy, Christ, have mercy. Yeah, and I try to. I, my labyrinth ritual is to sort of alternate between those three as I walk in, and then try to embody that the steel mind that you you just uh, described yeah. on the walk out. And it's it's sort of my my list my listening after my my prayers, you know. Um, and so before you mentioned centering prayer, and we're gonna, we're going to uh, delve more into that in a bit. But before we get there, I do want to talk about one of the thing that's things that's always fascinated me about um, Desert Rain for sure, but sort of the prelude to Desert Rain was how much intercessory prayer, yeah, you the Steels and the greater congregation of your church did. And I don't know if uh, you, you could sort of elaborate on how that, where it started and what it evolved to. And, and um, I know we've talked about it in general ways, um, but if, if you could sort of spotlight that a little bit about how did prayer become so central to your, your church and your congregation during those years? Yeah. Just kind of from there, from the, you know, it was even before that. So, okay. Yeah. As so a youth pastor, uh, that was our primary. We had two meetings mm-hmm. uh, that I that I did. Uh, that we ended up having smaller house meetings, mm-hmm. uh, uh, small groups, you know, right. other people. But but we did this Thursday night, and I would show up at right after school, uh, like four p.m., and sit in this room and pray mm-hmm. until or study sometimes too, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so people would start showing up at seven. And we would pray till like ten o'clock at night. Wow! We and we every did this Thursday. every Thursday we did this, and there came a point where uh, I'm not exaggerating the numbers. Uh, up to fifty teenagers were showing up, and people in their twenties. Uh, and what, to what, sit there in the dark and would this be early nineties? No, this frame? would have been late eighties, early nineties. Okay. Yeah, uh, and so we would do this meeting, and then we'd have a like a, a youth service the next day on Friday. Okay. Uh, but we would, but the prayer meeting was more important mm-hmm. to me at the time. And we would, yeah, we would literally sit there in the dark. Sometimes, uh, we'd have someone leading worship, singing songs. Okay. And then between songs, we would lift a prayer up and mm-hmm. very passionate, very, people would speak what they thought God was telling them personally. Uh, we would lay hands on, on people. I remember sometimes, uh, the word got out and there was a youth group that visited us came just for that meeting all the way from like Fort Hancock. And this is before where's, email and where's Fort Hancock? It's like in the middle of nowhere, Texas. It's about two hours from here. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. Uh, it's this little dusty town, uh, east of here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and this is before email and, right. And you know, cell phones. So they just showed some, you know, you some just, legend. I don't know how they heard about it. Yeah, some tumbleweed had, had it made it so to their bizarre. front door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we would lay hands on groups like that that show, and they'd fall down under the power. You know that kind of thing. It was a crazy time. Was, Very so, unusual for you know sixteen year olds 
to want to sit for three hours in a dark room and listen and, and pray uh, prayers that you think God is telling you to pray. Well, that's the thing that, yeah, popped in my mind as you were just describing it. So what, what even like inspired you or g- gave you this thought to start something yeah, like that? I, it, I, it feels counterintuitive. Yeah. I, I for that age don't range. know. Uh, I, cause at that church, I started off volunteering as the, as the middle school okay. teacher guy. So I, and then, and then, Graduated, I guess. They they, <laughs> they told me uh, they knighted you to. Well, the, the current youth pastors had 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 resigned, and so which is very common. Okay. Uh, they weren't on staff or anything like that, and so this was a volunteer th- mm-hmm. kind of thing, and, right? And so I, I think they I think they were starting their family or something like that, oh. kids. And so here I was, nineteen years old, and and I remember uh, again Dale Walker saying, "We'll give it three weeks." And if the Holy Spirit is anointing you, it'll be obvious. If he's not, then we'll just fire you. And uh, we'll just cut off your weeks, we'll yeah. just cut off your head. Yeah. Exactly. Wait, what? <laughs> Good work, Morrison. We'll Time. most likely kill you in the morning. Time out. Time out. That's not what I signed up for. <laughs> and so, you know, and that three weeks turned into uh, like about seven years, something wow. like that. Uh and so I guess somewhere around the, I just, I don't know why. Yeah. Like, Thursday night just seemed to be the night to do that. And yeah. Uh, it was probably had something to do with my my college schedule. It was probably the 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 most free night, right. maybe. I, I don't know, but that's all. And I just had bought into this idea that prayer is the central work mm-hmm. of the gospel. Because so when I'd read the gospels, that was Jesus's main work. It's it's easy to see the preaching, the miracles, and the healings, and all that. Right. But in between those verses, especially in the Gospel of Luke, he's sneaking off all the time to be alone. Um, and, you know, and so I wanted that life. I was just drawn to that kind of a life. Do you, and I think I already know the answer to this, but do you feel like prayer at this point, at this stage of your life, right? So if you're jumping from 19 to, to where you're at today, do you still feel like prayer is the central central part of it? Uh, in Talking yeah, in general. I would, I would adjust. There would be a small adjustment. And what would that be? It wouldn't be the action of prayer uh-huh. that is the the center uh, the center but it would be uh life itself is prayer okay and so cuz i agree with that yeah i agree with that so, so somewhere along the lines i think coming out here mm-hmm. it's shifted where life life is the thing that's holy mm-hmm. life is the holy activity is the holiness that we enter into and the activity of prayer just helps us remember that and 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 be aware of that because I to enter into your life, yeah. Because I think for me, my prayer life, I would say, started was much different. But it, when I really started praying, was probably around twenty four or twenty five. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it's it just it's interesting to watch. Like at nineteen, you're starting a prayer group. Yeah, for middle schoolers, right? And then just sort of the chronological, like my real life, prayer life didn't start for another, you know, five or six years beyond nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to go back to the, to the, um, you sort of planted that seed of, of, uh, within, within the youth, uh, the youth congregation, youth ministry. Um, and then what, what did it evolve to when you took the step to, as far as like planning your, your church or maybe there was a bridge in between timeframe? Yeah, so it was the same thing. So we had this thing called uh, that we felt came up out of prayer. It was just a few of us uh, called keeping the watch, keep the mm. watch. So that's what we started nightly prayer every night. Seven oh, every a week. night. Yeah, uh, for several years. And so again, that was the. And so I, I was in a very zealous state at the time. Uh, okay, and I would get up very early in the morning. Uh, and then I'd feel this longing of, of love, divine love. It was, it was very emotional. Uh, and, and I would have to, I felt like I had to tear myself away to go to work. Wow. And I would say, I, I want to, I don't want to leave here. I don't want to leave my little prayer space here, God. And then, and then it felt like God was proud of me saying, no, your prayer space is out there. Mm. This is just to teach you. This sacred space is to teach you that everything is a sacred space. This is this so, is the the practice dojo. Right. 
So go, this is in my late 20s, early 30s by okay. this point. So that I guess the transition to life itself is prayer. We are the prayer. Uh, began to began to happen. So now I kind of agree with, uh, I think it was Eugene Peterson in one of his books. He said that when he was a kid, a pastor uh, who was known for his holiness and his piety and was the real deal, so to speak, mm-hmm. an authentic person. And he was elderly and he was staying at their their house and they asked him, either Eugene as a teenager or a kid or maybe his dad or mom, someone in the family asked the pastor uh, how he prays. And the guy said, I haven't, I haven't prayed in like 30 years because <laughs> I don't pray anymore. And so the understanding is, no, you, there's a point where it's not an activity anymore. Right. You just embody it. It embodies you and, and you, and you just walk in that sense of presence and, and, and you become more ordinary. You become more natural. You become more uh, authentic, uh, if you will. Yeah. So you're not, you're not floating around like uh like a, a televangelist in a flowing dress and speaking in affected tones and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and asking for testimony on the television. Yeah, and asking for angels to visit, <laughs> fascist angels to come from South America to overturn the election uh, here in the U.S., you know. Uh, so, um, that's not an exaggeration. I just, no, I know, yeah, there was a lady, yeah, yeah. there was a lady, what was yeah. it, a year ago that was doing that? Yeah, exactly. No, I understand. <laughs> uh, I just, I, <laughs> some people have mental can, some people yeah. have mental illness what you know you, what, well, what you no, say? <laughs> you can get very goofy in, in other words you can i think the longer you spend time in solitude and and prayer you can your oh, mind sure. your mind could do all kinds of crazy shit to you and you have to uh it's a minefield you have to get through yeah. at some point no that i mean that, that is a good point i think that is a good point to bring up that pray all these things we're talking about prayer meditation yeah. like Weird things can happen, um, yeah. and and you can think that's the solution, right? You know what I mean. I I I think I've talked about it here. I probably talked about it on the meditation one, but the first time I meditated, I had this very hallucinogenic right experience, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is it." Yeah. Well, that was thirteen plus years ago, and guess how many hallucinogenic experiences I've had since then yeah. because of meditation? Zero. Exactly. None. <laughs> I've had visions and stuff like that, but the, the the feeling of hallucinating during meditation was, it was like that one and done. It, it was, it's a very weird yeah. phenomenon. And that's, that's the wisdom of the centering prayer that Thomas Keating lays out in all of his books is to do it for 20 minutes, twice mm-hmm. a day. Because yeah, because uh, his phrase, uh, the phenomenon of your unconsciousness unloading on you. Uh, and so, so if you, don't have someone to spot you, a community around you, uh, someone to tell you, "Hey, this is just, this is just the the, the unconsciousness of mm-hmm. this is your baggage, this is your emotional baggage from your lifelong trauma, just manifesting itself because you've been holding it, yeah. you've been repressing it, and this twenty minutes of stillness and silence is opening the door. So that twenty minutes, make it make it a small amount, is like to use." You know, uh, I guess, you know, when you open a Dr. Pepper bottle uh, that's been shaken mm-hmm. and Dr. Pepper, you don't have to even shake it, right? It seems to be more volatile than all little, the other colas. Little, little more uh, <laughs> so aggressive you, carbonation. Yeah, so you slowly, <laughs> slowly untwist it, yeah. uh, which might mean doing work with a therapist, mm-hmm. might mean, uh, you know, having people around you that are grounded who can uh, tell you, no, this is reality. You're, yeah. you're, uh, you're going into a fantasy uh, you know, a mental fantasy right now. So, yeah. Um, so get, getting back to prayer, but, um, so shifting or not shifting, but, but what was in your sort of looking back, I guess, playing Monday morning quarterback, going from praying every night. I don't, I don't even know if you said for how long. Yeah. They were like usually an hour long. Yeah. To, to sort of shifting to, uh, not doing that yeah you know what, what was sort of the the evolution or you know was it was there some kind of breaking point where where it came to a head or you know what what did that look like no i, I think these things are a lot like um to use one of your your favorite movies forrest gump uh 
when he has his magic legs. Remember that? Oh, yeah. He's got the magic. Oh, yeah. And then there came a point where the magic legs, he's running and, uh, and they the, start falling apart. I, I think they were throwing rocks at him or something. So he had to run away. From, I don't remember, but yeah. And they just kind of fall off. Uh, I think that's kind of. When I was a child, I had fake braces that I would put on my legs <laughs> so I could reenact that scene. Oh, yeah. That's how much I loved it. Wow, man. That's pretty. <laughs> did you, did you uh, jog across America too? Because you kind of got the beard. I got the beard. <laughs> I mean, I, so for those listening, I, I'm not a fan of the movie Forrest Gump. But the first time I grew out my beard and my hair, I don't know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, the, the lady at the Starbucks would, you know how they write your name on it? Yeah. They started writing, writing my name as Gump because I looked, <laughs> I looked like he looks after he's ran back and forth. I think I'll go home now. So, yeah, I, I think it was just kind of a natural kind of evolution. That's really interesting. So, so you just do it, you do it, you do it. And then next thing you, you look down and it's, it's not necessary. Those braces, so to speak, yeah. that, that like we got to do this every day for an hour yeah. just kind of disappears. Yeah. I, for me, it was that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and there might become a time where you pick it up again. Uh, I don't. I don't know. You know? Right. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't worry about. I don't have my pulse, mm-hmm. my finger on the, my spiritual pulse, the way that I did. You know, thirty years ago. So. But wouldn't you? Uh, at least I would contest that. That's sort of the point. These, you know, we're, these disciplines. Yeah. Right. That we're that we're sort of wrestling with and discussing in the the pathway to presence. That's kind of the point is that you do, how do you, oh, you've put it this way really well. You tend to the practice and then the practice. Oh, yeah, yeah. How, how, do, you, how do you say that? I'm, I'm messing it up. Yeah, so you, you might spend, so yeah, so a spiritual journey might look like this. You, you look for a prayer practice. So you search for it and you try out many different ones. And then you might find one that suits you. Uh, but it really, you know, but you find out that it really found you. Right. And so you keep this practice and, and, and sometimes it's a discipline and sometimes it's a drawing, you know, you're drawn, drawn to it. Mm -hmm. It's a joy to do it. There, there's, there's a soul pleasure about it. So you, but you keep the practice regardless. And then eventually the practice is keeping you. Mm -hmm. And so it comes a point where you're practicing stillness and peace. You know, in the new Testament, uh, and what I mean by that are the Christian scriptures, the, the early church scriptures talk about uh, be at peace. That's what they're, they're talking about—a practice of peace. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, an intentional practice, right? Um, and but it begins to keep you. And so that's, the peace, that peace, right? That, that, li- yeah. that peaceful lifestyle. So the practice that you're doing, yeah. So you're practicing the presence of God in intentional ways, but then the, the presence of God is practicing you. Wow. It's living through you at, at, at some point. And we've all met people like this. Of course. And they're diminished people. They're, they're in a place in life where their usual uh, strengths and those kinds of things are, are, have been diminished uh, and they've become marginalized socially, usually the elderly. I was going to uh, say my grandma. Yeah. My- my grandma was a good example of that. Yeah. So the, you know, that's these are the people where the presence of God is is brimming. Yeah, because I would call her and, and towards the end of the conversation, and it, they were never long conversations. She didn't she didn't really like being on the phone. I don't think, but she liked hearing from me, right? Yeah. Um, and she she would just you know she would say something to the extent I'll be sitting here, you know, I'm praying for you. I'll be sitting here praying for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. When she said it, I know it. It was never one of those uh, sort of throwaway lines that people like, oh, you know, I'm praying for you or whatever. Yeah. It was. It was always. You, I knew that it was true that, you know, she was sitting there praying. Not just for me either. All of yeah. all of all of her grandkids, all of her kids, right? Like, she was just uh, a prayerful person. And, uh, but it was like um, reassuring, maybe, to know that someone that deeply loved me and cared for me was also praying for me. And this was long before I got into prayer or spiritual right, stuff. Right. Like, you know, I was, I was in the Navy, you know, do, being crazy, yeah, you know, yeah. drinking myself like a sailor. But when I would have those 
conversations on Sundays with grandma. It was just like, oh yeah, like there's some love in the world. Like, yeah. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm not my decisions per se. Yeah. Just go to any city church, you know, in a downtown area, usually, uh, and go there on a, you know, Saturday morning after a mass or something. And you'll, you'll see these people, they're lighting candles and they're, you know, they're huddled, they're huddled masses, lighting candles, whispering prayers in the dark. Uh, or by themselves. Because yeah. they'll be spread out, That's right? That's what I mean, yeah, the after, one. there's no, yeah, there's no mass going on, no service going on, and they're there. And, uh, you know, it's usually, it's Episcopal and Catholic churches that provide spaces for this. Uh, you know, the other ones don't so much, but, you know, but that's where you'll see these people. Um, and so, just to sort of continue on with with your this idea around your evolution of prayer, um, and correct me if I the timing or whatever is off or the the nomenclature is off, maybe. But at some point, you started feeling drawn to centering prayer. Yeah, and and I, this might be the wrong language, but it maybe it felt like intercessory prayer had ran its course, or something of that nature. But you started you started feeling drawn to centering prayer. And, and yeah. do you remember sort of what, what that process was or, or how, how it unfolded or anything like that? I, I think to back up a little bit. So there was an intercessory prayer, which was a weekly thing. But then I think that gave way. There was another stage there where monastic prayer, fixed hour prayer. Interesting. Because okay. you, how much can you pray for revival for the spirit of abortion? Uh, to be lifted off the city because uh, we'd pray silly prayers you, like that. You could do it every day for an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> Until so you can't. <laughs> seven nights a week, it became, it didn't feel authentic anymore. I see. So we kind of stumbled into a, a mixture of singing songs or what we called worship right. at the time um, to the freestyle intercessory prayer and then the reading of, of uh, fixed hour prayer, which is a mixture of praying scripture, meditating on scriptures, usually that kind of thing. So there was a couple of years of that. And when we came out here, we were doing that. Okay. Because we came out here to be a monastic right. community. So we practiced monastic hours, uh, you know, th three times a day at the time. Uh, more Benedictine, if you will, uh, for those uh, want to be more technical. Uh, <laughs> those, are those that are schooled on. Yeah, so... So then, yeah, so I, I think what happened is just praying as community, learning how to live in community and pray together. Well, our, our, uh, our tension and our anxieties with each other, trying to live with each other, uh, would, so would definitely manifest in the freestyle prayer, right? right? So we're saying right. F you to each other yeah. through, in pious ways. And so it just, it was becoming uh, more toxic than helpful. Interesting. And so, uh, and so, so just, just to back up half a step. So I understand. So the fixed hour prayer would consist of all three of these things you're talking right, about. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. exactly. So some singing, some yeah. freestyle prayer, and then some re exactly. reciting of scriptures and stuff like that. And, you know, so, and there comes a point where that's just too complex. Mm -hmm. So you want to, you know, well, especially if it starts trickling towards the toxic side. Yeah, exactly. You're, so you're praying for your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, and this is a problem in any kind of prayer group. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, 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 they start preach praying. Yeah, on right. each other. You know, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this. These other people. Uh, well, know? in the recovery world, so it's not even prayer, but in the recovery world, we have a thing called crosstalk. Right. Right. So you're not exactly. like. You know, well, you know, for me, when I, my definition yeah. of sobriety doesn't include anti-anxiety yeah. medications. Like, well, <laughs> the guy next to you just talked about anxiety medication. Yeah. So what, you know, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And, you know, and we exaggerated, but this is a real issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Together, they start, yeah, they start doing manipulative kinds of things. And, and I think it's important to point out, like you're saying, it's not just desert rain or, you know, like my example, it's not just the recovery no, I, world. It's across the board when you start getting people together. Yeah. It's like the guy in the IT crowd, the Irish guy, he said, people, what a bunch of bastards. <laughs> and so that's, I mean, that's what we do, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Jesus addressed it, right? Pharisee prays, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like this guy right here. (laughs) That's some good Jewish comedy right there, right? Got his finger pointing. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, and so in 2007, I had been reading Thomas Keating's uh, stuff, his books, uh, and practicing it personally. Mm. But then uh, we went to a, an actual conference that he and Richard Rohr did mm. on centering prayer. Okay. Actually, and it was, it was, uh, it was combined with the, uh, the 11th step of the uh, 12 steps. Which so, is, for those that don't know, is uh, practice prayer and meditation. Yeah, so it was a, so it had, it was a, a holistic conference in that sense. So we got to learn it. You know, in centering prayer, centering prayer yeah. with a large group of people. You know, it was like a thousand people oh, at that's this incredible. conference, and so uh, that's really cool. Yeah, so so we brought it back here and started doing that twice a day, and twenty minutes. I think it was uh, summer. For some reason, we sat under a tree, okay. a pine tree, in front of the chapel, just kind of huddled around there, and it was it was. I don't want to. I don't want to be telling tales out of school, as they say, but it, it, for us at that juncture of our community life, it was a very healing thing uh, because it because we're not. It took away our power of speech. Well, it didn't take it away, but we we surrendered our power of speech to each other during prayer, and that created space to uh, us to not manipulate one another yeah. or or try to score points on each other wound each other and it, and and at least for me personally and, and those who were uh practicing at the time we we began to notice uh a lot of resentments and a lot of, that had been built up over right. a couple of years of living in community uh just kind of wasn't there anymore interesting and it wasn't from let's sit down and talk we were past talking about certain issues you right know? comes a point where it's not going to get resolved right so talking about it even more is just going to to uh to to make it worse and so so it's either this is going to resolve at some point or the community itself is going to dissolve i see and we didn't know which one it was going to be right and so that centering prayer together that time together in silent prayer uh brought a healing that was beyond words, beyond conversation. That's us, incredible. And pushed us into the next chapter of our life as community. And here we are, what, 2022, so, you know, many years. So did you jump straight from, so you're kind of, you're doing this fixed hour prayer with worship and freestyle prayer. You hit the conference, you learn this new way yeah. Well, you not you per se, but the community right, right. engages in centering prayer, and then you come back and you're like, okay, well, let's let's embrace centering prayer for this for this season. Yeah, we just never we never got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been 15 years uh, because it's so simple. It's such a simple thing, and you don't have to come up. And you know, a lot of people, more I would guess, the majority of people in any spiritual group, any church any Bible study, whatever you want to call it, a coven, you know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's extremely intimidating for most people to, to vocalize a prayer in front of people. A lot of people can't even do that with their own families, huh? right? It's, it's just not something. And so sitting together in silence, it, it kind of equalizes everyone yeah. uh, in that sense. It takes that pressure off you have to come up with something uh well it's funny too because for the few people that do like praying in front of people there's a certain amount of humility that then has to be right injected yeah. for them to be silent exactly so this idea of leveling the playing the this that's uh, a silly but level leveling the spiritual playing playing field yeah yeah will. social in a social way yeah yeah and so yeah and you don't have to have a musician you don't have to have a an instrument it doesn't have to be tuned uh, uh, not that people bother tuning in church groups anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to be a singer. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? You don't have to, you don't even have to know how to read. Uh, yeah. so that's why it's so 
you know, some of the reasons why it's so powerful and attractive to us. Uh, it's very egalitarian. Yeah, that's incredible. I've never really thought about it in that way about how uh, not easy, but just how universal silence can be for yeah for it to you know for anybody. So and and kind of like you were saying earlier, you didn't want to talk out of school. So um, hopefully, I'm not. But would it be a re- reasonable assessment that? At some point, you kind of got disenfranchised with intercessory prayer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if we've talked about this. Uh, I can't remember, but it, but if you're open to talking about it, I think it's. Yeah, there, so because if your view of God changes, then your your prayer practice will change, and uh, and so I don't, I don't mean to sound demeaning to anybody. But I think an early, maybe low-level understanding of God is God as Santa Claus. Right. You know? Uh, he's you, this, you send him this wish list. Yeah, this old man in demands. the sky. Right. Uh, you know, that's, that's a very elementary uh, image of God, right? And, but also a useful starting point. Exactly. So I don't mean to demean to yeah. be demeaning of that. Um, and then, and then there are theological issues that, at, you know, in the debate as well. Uh, so there, you know, like like uh, what they would call Calvinism, uh, which is God has already set His will. Uh, and similar to Forrest Gump being my favorite movie, Calvin <laughs> is your favorite theologian. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I read that murderer's work all the time. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, so why pray, right? If God has already if decided it's something, yeah. it's already fixed. It's a fixed universe, and why even why even offer a prayer? And then there are those uh, more progressive theologians who would say, um, I, I believe they use the the phrase uh, the prayer of protest, where you could change God's mind in very extreme issues, uh, and you do see that in the in the Jewish tradition. God's going to wipe out Israel and Moses intercedes and mm. prays and, and stops it. I, I, but those images, both of those images are very, uh, they don't work for me anymore. Interesting. Okay. Um, I can't love a God like that. I can't respect a God that would uh, uh, answer your prayer for your sister to be healed. But then my brother dies. Uh Right. And, and then just chalk it up with, well, God has a mysterious will. That's not for me. Uh, uh, you can take that and shove it as far as I'm concerned. That's not my experience of divine love right. uh, on a rational level, on an emotional level, on an ontological level. It's just, it's just uh, it's toxic religion in my opinion. So, so with that said, so, so uh, I had a dualistic problem for a, a long time with contemplative prayer versus petitionary right. intercessory prayer. Why ask God for anything? It doesn't seem to work that way anyway. Uh, healings are so random and so few. Uh, you know, why Why even bother with that? And so it took a, a, a lot of years of, of discernment, even talking with spiritual directors, uh, even a therapist at some point. Uh, you know, why, why does it seem like everyone else's children, I asked the therapist this, why does it seem like everyone else's children around me are thriving and our daughter's not, and she's unhappy, and, and we thought love could save the day and pull her through, and love is not enough. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been enough. It's a major crisis, emotionally, spiritually, uh, theologically, relationally for us. So what do I you know, and the therapist gave me a good answer for it. She said, all the, all the families that you know are liars. <laughs> they're pretending that they're okay. No right. one is okay. Uh, so, so yeah, so it took, it took a, a lot of years to be able to, to reconcile intercessory prayer and contemplative prayer. Yeah. And, um, and uh, the reason I brought that up is because it, I, I feel like it bridges the, us to the next part. And, yeah. and what was the reconciliation of intercessory prayer and 
contemplative prayer for yeah. you. Yeah. So the the Quakers, uh, the Friends uh, Society of Friends, and I'm not associated with them, so I, I hope they don't mind me appropriating their practices. I'm assuming Quakers would say uh, you can be a Quaker, you can practice Quaker yeah. practices and right. not be a Quaker. Yeah. I think they're they're chill that, that way. That I would, yeah, I would tend to, I would tend to, uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> my interactions with the, the handful of people that are identify or you know walk the Quaker path, yeah. I, I I think they would. I, mean, I feel that way about Christianity. Me. Yeah, exactly. You could you could do a Christian practice of self sacrifice, self sacrifice and love and service. And not identify as a Christian, but feel free to practice Christianity. Uh, well, that was one without of the, being one, you know. Well, that was one. Of, I, I think for me, one of the big breakthroughs, and I know I've shared it on the podcast, but a, a close friend of mine was in Rome, having a conversation with a father, and he was explaining twelve-step programs, mm. and he's like, "Oh, you're just doing Christianity." The father said that right, too. Right? He's yeah. like, "Oh, you're just you're just doing Christ, you know, Christian stuff," and. And it 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 was pretty mind blowing to me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming since Pendle Hill, one of the major publishers of Quaker material, sell their stuff for anyone to read, then I'm allowed to read it and practice it. Of course, so I'm being a little self a little defensive here. Uh, and anyway, so they the, the friends have had a practice called holding one another in the light for centuries. Uh, holding one another in the light. What a great phrase it's a beautiful that is just the imagery itself yeah and we just recently as a community went through one of these pamphlets uh they usually call them pamphlets or booklets uh uh written by uh marcel martin who's a uh a contemporary quaker she's available for retreat you can look her up she's available you can google her for retreats i haven't looked i haven't contacted her but uh but her pamphlet was has been super helpful exactly yeah uh and so it's a so it's a way of marrying or integrating contemplative prayer, which is wordless sitting in the presence of God in a wordless way, uh, and just giving consent to the presence, and then intercessory prayer, where you where your intention for healing for that person, for peace to come to that person, for wholeness to come to a situation, and you marry those two those two kinds of things together so holding one so so it's not just a, a cute phrase of saying my thoughts and prayers are with you right uh it's a real practice where i'm going to uh have an image of you uh in my mind i'm going to sit in silence i'm going to sit in stillness and i'm going to i'm going to have a picture of you being showered and bathed in the goodness and the light of god um I'm going to see you in a whole state, in a healed state, at a in a peaceful state. And I'm going to spend some time lingering on that image without commentary. Uh, without judgment. Without any judgments, without any demands from God to do something. But I'm just going to simply see that. Uh, and, and I'm going to sit with it. And what may happen as a result of doing that is that you will enter into a deeper uh, empathy for that person and a, and a connection can be opened up. That's, that's a much deeper relational connection between you and that person that you're holding in the light. So that becomes the basis for community to emerge real friendship, authentic friendship, deep friendship, um, unconditional love type. Yeah. friendship. And then a third thing could happen as you give yourself to this practice and keep this practice, the practice begins to keep you. And what I mean by that is you become a conduit or like the St. Francis prayer attributed to St. Francis. Uh, make me a channel of your love. Make me a channel of your peace. Uh, and, and so you, you become this conduit of just simple presence, simple peace, uh, the witness of the gospel in the world in, in a very ordinary way, a very, uh, small ways in the, in your daily life. So, well, it's as you're, as you were describing that, it shot me back to your description of the, uh, the Methodist woman describing intercessory yeah. prayer and talking about, you feel their suffering, you feel their pain. And it also bridges that gap of 
you could you could do uh, you can hold people in the light without a quote unquote pure heart. Right. Exactly. You don't have to pure. Uh, this idea of purifying yourself. Yeah, what does that mean? Right. It's 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 such a wild it's such a wild expression. You can just do it. You can just do the practice, yeah. and, and uh, so it's like she was right. You know, like her first is like yeah. that intercessory prayer does connect you with with whoever it is. Yeah, forty yeah. years ago. You know, and, and there might be some out there who'd say, well, you know, Jesus did say uh, the pure in heart will see God. Uh, and okay, uh, the way I've dealt with that over the years is, is yeah, only, only the pure in heart can see God. But unless I see God, I can't have a pure heart. Because a vision of God is the only thing that's going to give me a pure heart. Uh, and so allow me to see you. Open my eyes to see you, or or Saint, uh, I almost said Saint Joan. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Saint Joan of Arc. Uh, I was thinking of the the Bernard Shaw play Saint Joan. Uh-huh. Uh, they asked her on her trial. You know, this is this is a an illiterate peasant girl mm. who's claiming to have these Divine images and vo- audible voices from right? God, right? And uh, and they asked her, uh, "Are you are you in the grace of God?" You know, it's a trick question. And so this 15-year-old girl says back to these old men, uh, she says, if I, am in, uh, if I am not in the grace of God, I pray that God would put me in God's grace. And if I am in the grace of God, I pray that God would keep me in the grace of God. And so it's just like, and they killed her anyway. Of course, right, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> that's, that's what the been. church does. <laughs> Oops, nope, wrong our answer. <laughs> our bad. So, so yeah. So if, so if you are hung up on this purity issue, um, you know, maybe yeah, maybe you do need to do some soul searching. There, you need to do a moral inventory, as as uh, AA. Uh, do they call it a moral inventory? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not dismissing that. Maybe you do need to 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 look at how you've treated people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 face that, and do a, an inventory, so to speak, and do a, a make attempts at, at a reconciliation. Uh, uh, but if but if it's just some supernatural weird purity thing that you know that often comes up, then then just simply say, I I, I can't only the pure in heart see God, but unless I see God, I can never have a pure heart. So, well, I I think too what I would add on to that is that. Even if you don't feel pure, you can do the practices anyways. Yeah, it has nothing to do with you. Can, you can do the meditation. Yeah. You can do the prayer. You can, you know, all, all of these things that we're going to be touching on. Um, regardless of what you think your worthiness is, you can still step into the practice anyways. Yeah, and possibly th- this has been my experience because of my open mindedness to pray. So when I started praying in my mid twenties, the word God. I did not. That made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, for a lot of people. And so the person that was like walking me through this, they're like, "Well, just you know, don't put God on it." Exactly. You know, and that because of that, I was it. It. Uh, I don't want to say it inspired me, but it helped me through the process of getting to this point where, yeah, maybe I did need to make an inventory and see how I was treating people. Maybe I did need to do some kind of reconciliation. All these things were yeah. off the board for me, right? Off the, t- I wasn't doing, I wasn't going to do that. And now, when I pray, I can say the word God, and it doesn't make me uncomfortable. Um, and and I know that. And what I also know is that God doesn't care that I call God God. No, it's more for me, and it, it gives me a word to communicate with someone else that maybe is in a similar place. Yeah. But at the end of the day, whatever you call it is what you call it, you know, and and. Um, I don't, I don't remember where I was, I was going with that, but, but prayer, meditation, and some of these other things we'll get into throughout the series, there's no worthiness starting point. You just start the practice and and see where, where it takes you along, along this path. There's a lot of power in saying, I don't know. There's a lot of power in that. And so one of the Psalms says that, you know, who can know the error of their ways? Oh God. So, but teach me your ways. And so, oh, your motives need to be pure. What, really? Because uh, I, I can't even begin to know what my motives are. Yeah. Uh, so, 
I'm going to put that on hold for now. And I'm going to hold this person in the light, mm. this person that's suffering, this person that's hurting. Um, you know, in, in a, going off the a rabbit trail a little bit, but, uh, but, but an, an absolute atheist and a, and a complete, a person that is uh, burned with a vision of holiness are very much in the same spot mm. because someone that has uh, encountered the divine uses less and less words. Mm. And there's no such thing as me over here and God over there anymore right. for that person. So you don't speak the name uh, at all. And an atheist would say that we have the same issue uh, for different reasons. Right. But still the same, you know, I don't want to have the God language in there. And so they, they're on similar ground as someone that has encountered the divine. And, uh, and so I just thought I'd throw that out there. No, that's 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 really beautiful, and um, you know, because at the end of the day, we don't know. Yeah. Right. Like, if we're if who we're, can know the error of their ways, who can know what their what's in their own heart? Yeah. So if, if we're honest about it, the the I don't know is is that that's like the common ground for all of us. Yeah. You know, we're just we're just doing the best we can with the the information and the um, the way we see the world, the way we process the world. Yeah. Because everyone does that a little bit differently too. Uh, you feel good? Yeah. That was a good one, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, the drums you hear in the background, Jacob Nedia, thank you for that. Uh, theruin.com. Um, if you want to learn more about Desert Rain as a community, um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> theruin.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.